Welcome to the Real Life Resilience Podcast. Stories of recovery from life's most difficult trauma with Stacy Brookman. The biggest myth about writing and health is people bite off more than they can chew. And in reality, there is no perfect. You have to do the best you can, whether it's writing that first line or losing that first pound. Hey guys, this is Stacy, and I'm glad you're listening to Real Life Resilience, the podcast that brings you a range of tools and stories to heal from tough life situations. Today's guest is Dr. Kathy Groover. Kathy is an award-winning author and host of the national TV show based on her first book, The Alternative Medicine Cabinet. She's earned her PhD in natural health and has authored five books, including the award-winning Journey of Healing and Conquer Your Stress with Mind-Body Techniques. Kathy will show us one of the best ways to transform our lives. But before we dive in, I'd like to take 30 seconds to share something fascinating. You've been through tough times in your life. We all have. But there's a powerful truth. Your stories will reveal wisdom that you don't know you possess. The question now is, where do you start? There's a simple, tested, step-by-step flow for discovering your life theme and putting your life into a beautiful story. A story that allows you to be the best possible version of yourself. Register now for Stacy's next free webinar where she reveals the four simple, proven methods to writing the first chapter of your life story this week. Simply click on the link in the show notes or head to stacybrookman.com slash webinar. Oh, I do hope you'll join me for that. I also love to hear from listeners personally, and I answer my own emails. So drop me a line and let me know what questions you have about our guest or about resilience. My email is stacy at stacybrookman.com. And now let's welcome Dr. Kathy Groover. Oh, thanks for having me, Stacy. I appreciate it. I am really excited to dig into what you have for us. So tell us a little bit more about, first of all, the alternative medicine cabinet and how you got into this mind and body techniques and therapies. Yeah, you know, it was a very accidental journey. Uh, of all things, I started out as an actress and oh, wow. never had any idea that I would get into health or wellness or healing or, you know, somebody said, why didn't you go be an MD? And I said, well, <laughs> I failed math. <laughs> and they kind of, uh, you know, other than the fact that I really just had no interest in it yet. Nothing that ever appealed to me. Um, but when mm-hmm. I was in college, I apprenticed with a woman who was a massage therapist, and that was very accidental. I just I sat there while she would work on us actors, and one day she turned to me and she said, "Oh, Kathy, I've got to get back to to the hospital where I'm working. Would you take those mats in the other room and go work on John?" And I said, well, "No, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm an actor." And she looked <laughs> at me and she said, "Yes, you do." And it was one of those moments where, you know, the music swells and the lighting changes and you listen to that person. She saw something in me that I didn't know was there. And that kind of started it very accidentally. So I started out as a massage therapist. Then I started doing Reiki and different mind-body techniques and studying stress and getting my master's and PhD, which was had an emphasis in stress and mind-body medicine. And so it just sort of built on itself. I told someone the other day, I followed the breadcrumbs. I just went, mm-hmm. oh, that lo- oh, let's go. Th- oh, I guess that path is open up. Okay. And so here I am, very <laughs> accidentally, but clearly with purpose. So yeah, I've written five five right. books and I've lectured around the world and I, I love what I do. I absolutely love this this journey. That is really exciting. Your particular area of expertise is stress and health writing. So tell us a little bit about that. What what do the two have in common and how do you how, how do you do it? Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that I really promote 
for stress reduction is affirmations and mm-hmm. writing things down is so powerful. And I just actually finished my training as a hypnotherapist too, because I, you know, I needed more initials behind my name. Um, <laughs> but one of the things they really emphasize even in hypnotherapy is writing things down and actually using cursive because when you write things down using actual handwriting, it goes straight into your subconscious. So if the things right. that you're writing and also thinking about are negative, that's going to affect you in a negative way. It's going to put you in a stress response, if that fight or flight response we learned about in ninth grade biology. And mm-hmm. if we write down affirmations and goals and positive things, that's really going to affect us. We're going to be able to reach those more easily. So yeah, it's, all, it's an interesting thing putting the writing in with the stress because there is a clear connection there. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Right. Now, what we talk about is writing uh, about your past trauma and through trauma and and healing from that. And what you're talking about is looking forward, right? Is that something somewhat? Yeah, absolutely. And I just read a study because I I was looking into, I needed to find some studies on affirmations. And people who mm, wrote really long paragraphs of life-affirming things, um, whether it's reframing a past trauma, which you can always do, Mm -hmm. you can change the ending to that story. uh, You know, and that's actually a therapeutic device that's incredibly healing. Um, But people who were writing down affirmations and affirmative paragraphs of who they are, maybe writing about a positive event, found that they went into future situations, not as affected by it, really looking at the positive things in any situation, and also just reacting to things, having a different response to things when they did come up, because they had that base paragraph of, I have a life-affirming event, I have a life-affirming occurrence. So it was a really powerful thing. Very neat. Now, let's step back for a second. Tell us what exactly affirmations are and how do you do that? Yeah, affirmations are simply a positive statement about something. So I, I like to use the, the example of people getting sick because, you know, cold and flu season and you hear all these people saying, oh, I hope I don't get sick. Oh, geez, I get sick every June. Oh, it's May. I'm going to get sick. The kids are going to get me sick. Don't get near me. You'll get me sick. You know, and we're mm-hmm. reinforcing all this negative stuff over and over and over again. And those negative thoughts not only lead to other negative thoughts because that's how our brain wires itself, um, but it actually puts us into a stress response. And when we're in a stress response, it depletes our immune system. So just by worrying about getting sick or dwelling in the past from when we've been sick before, you know, it's going to create a stress response. It depletes our immune system. So I encourage people to rephrase these things. And the key to affirmations, unless you're doing the whole you know, big paragraph writing occurrence thing, is make them short, make them positive, and put them in the present. So rather than saying, I hope I don't get sick, you would say, I am healthy and well. Oh, okay. My immune system is strong. My body is resilient. I conquer those germs. You know, whatever words work for you. And then just repeat them over and over again. You can write them down and put them on your mirror, put them on your dashboard. Um, it's such a great technique and it's so simple, you know, and there's no, there's no side effects, no prescription required. Right. That's pretty neat. Now, I know a lot of people are listening and saying, okay, just saying those things or writing those down, how is that going to keep me healthy or how is that going to improve my life? But yet, you know about that mind and body connection. Can you explain that a little bit for us? Sure. And, you know, there's a twofold benefit to this. First of all, I've read multiple studies that say we actually can affect our physiology by what we're thinking and what we're saying. So you can visualize activating your immune system. You can visualize your blood pressure lowering. I know people that have visualized tumor shrinking and things changing in their bodies. Our body is mm-hmm. incredibly mm, suggestible to what, first of all, other people are saying, um, but also what we're thinking about. So let's say you say, you know, my immune system is strong, I am healthy and well. 
Let's say that actually does affect your physiology and it makes a change. That's That would be fabulous. At the very least, it's stopping those negative thoughts that we do know are creating stress. And again, there's all these you know detrimental effects of having long-term stress, like the immune system depleting and our cognitive function declining and our memory starting to go and we're losing digestive energy and sexual response. And you know, um, stress can be a really it's a really hazardous thing. And it's it's estimated right now that between depending on whose study you read, 70 to 90 percent of our doctor's visits are from stress-related illness. I believe it, and so much of that comes from what we're thinking about. Whether we're do- we're dwelling in the past about a, a you know a past trauma, or we're fatalizing into the future of oh I got to meet with the boss on Monday oh this is going to be bad. You know we create that stress in our own minds because the external stress we can't stop, we can't change that. Mm-hmm. So we have to change our reaction, and one of the ways to do that is with affirmations. Yeah, and that's what I was just going to ask you because we can't stop that. You know there. are Bad things happen out in the yep. world. Bad things happen to us, and yet we can still do this in the midst of those bad right. things, correct? That's correct, yeah. I, I had the privilege of um, studying with Thich Nhat Hanh um, at Harvard. He's one of the just, he's oh, probably wow. the most well-known monk next to the Dalai Lama. And yeah. one of his, he had all these monks with him, these be- just beautiful brothers and sisters. And one of the women were talking about why suffer twice. And we project these things into the future. And we worry about things, and we're not even sure they're going to happen, and we don't know how they're going to turn out. And I have seen client example, and I've done this myself, we all have, uh, but client example after client example of people who are so worried about some future event, and then the event comes, and it either doesn't happen, or it's better than they thought, or it's not as hard as they thought. And they basically suffered all week not Mm. knowing what the future was going to be. If you get the cancer diagnosis on Monday, you're going to suffer then. So right. why are you going to ruin the next two weeks waiting for that test result when you don't know? You might mm-hmm. as well think positively because that way right. if it is bad news, you're at least in a better mindset to handle it than if you've been crying for the last two weeks. So it's, right. that's the joy of staying in the present moment too. Now you you talk about writing about positive events to help not only decrease stress but build resiliency. How How does that work? Well, the more positive – mindset that we have going into things, we're not going to be as affected by that negative stuff. You know, if you've already had a bad day, if you've rushed out of the house and, you know, the cat threw up and the bacon caught on fire and the kid forgot their project and you're now 10 minutes late for that (laughs) meeting, we've all had those days, and you get on the freeway and someone cuts you off, you're going to flip them off, you're going to yell and scream, it's going to affect you more than if you had a casual slow, easygoing morning of, oh, I had a lovely day, and you know, I walked the dog, and I took a bubble bath, and I got my report turned in early. You get on the freeway, and someone cuts you off. You're like, eh, he's an idiot, but it doesn't affect you as much. So right. if we can go into these situations in our daily life in a mm, way that we're responding rather than just reacting and right. being in that present moment and being in a positive state, the more positive we can be so that when bad stuff does happen, we're not already at an eight. Maybe we're at a two. <laughs> you know, it, right. gives us, it gives us more chance. I say, you know, if, if the boss ends up, you know, if he does end up firing you on Monday and you're at an eight, you're going to hit a 10 and they're going to have to call security. If you go into it at a two, <laughs> maybe you hit a five. You know, you know, right. it's, it sounds kind of simplistic, but it's true. You know, we've all had experiences where We've already been so stressed and something completely silly happens and we lose it. It's the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. So the more present we can be and the more positive we can be, that's a benefit to us. 
Now, how do we learn how to do this? Do we need to like put something on our computer or our dashboard every day? Do you write every single day to, to, to get yourself into this habit? Yeah, you know, I like I encourage people to do the affirmations every day. And one of okay. the best times to do it is right before you go to bed. So just keep a piece of paper, keep a notebook and a pen, and simply write, I am surrounded by loving and supportive friends or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I sleep mm-hmm. well and I awake feeling refreshed. You know, it's that time, that half hour before we go to bed that we're going to be most suggestible. And in handwriting it in cursive, we remember cursive, <laughs> though I don't, uh-huh. I don't think they're teaching it anymore. It goes straight to our subconscious while we're sleeping. So those last few things we do and we're thinking about really affect how we perceive our life and what happens those next couple days. Put it on the dashboard of the car. You know, I'm looking at the little sign on my desk right now that says, the future always starts now. We always have the ability to create a change. With every exhale, we can make a different choice. And so I like to remind myself of that, of, you know, the future is always coming. We can always make different choices. So I encourage people to write every day. And the other thing that I realized the other day is, I had come across an old photo of an Indian reservation and this nature preserve I'd gone to in Florida. It was one of the most beautiful places. And that led me to the thought of, man, I've seen so many beautiful places. And I started to kind of think about what were the beautiful places I've seen? And the next thing you know, I have this huge grin on my face and I ended up having the best day because I just thought of that beauty of the EO Valley in Hawaii and the Alps in Switzerland and standing in front of the pyramids in Egypt. Keeping mm-hmm. those positive, beautiful thoughts really does make a difference. And I bet it makes a difference for the people around you who are experiencing you living life and they want to experience you as a positive person having that positive energy rather than negative absolutely and because of what i do for a living you know i have people come to my office every day expecting really great massage or hypnotherapy or reiki or whatever it is i can't be a grump (laughs) and you know there there are days where we're having a bad day maybe we have a headache we didn't sleep well we did have that morning where the bacon caught on fire and the cat threw up and you know my clients don't want to hear about that that's not my job to dump my crap on them and that's hard some days because I really want to dump my crap. I got to find another way to dump it. And whether it's affirmations or writing a paragraph or thinking about how beautiful Griffith Park was when I first drove into it in California or, you know, whatever it is, we have to find a way to not allow that stuff to affect us as much. We still have to deal with it all. We can't never do our tax return because it creates stress. That would be lovely. They frown on that. But going about the rest of our life in a positive way can make such a difference. Now, you ha- your book, your latest book, Journey of Healing, is really your journey. Tell us a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, it is. It's still a collection of a lot of natural health information, but I went about it a little differently. I actually wrote about it from how I found it and how I've used it and what it does and information about it. So the first one I start with is massage because that was how I started this seemingly accidental journey. And I talk about how to talk to your practitioner and all the different types of massage and what I've seen it do and how it's helped me. And if you want a career in massage, how to do that. Um, And then it Mm -hmm. moves basically through what I've learned about, sometimes what I've taught and how I've used it with my clients and myself. So it's really a hands-on book in that way. And then it's peppered with these little personal stories um, that have led to lessons. I, I do a lot of public speaking and I will I will tell personal stories to get to the point of what I'm talking about, whether it's visualization or dealing with cancer. I lost my mom when I was young, so I talk about that mm-hmm. in the book. But there's these stories, some are touching and some are silly and some are funny and um, they have a little life lesson in them. And I have a lot of people telling me that's their favorite part of the book, which is 
kind of fun. It's like this. It's like talking to a trusted friend because oh. I'm sharing these these experiences, these personal experiences, which I think people learn really well through that. So we're calling it sort of an info biography. <laughs> so you're, you're, oh wow, you're the, that's neat. Getting the textbook and you're getting these stories with the little lessons in them. So yeah, I'm really proud of it. Now, there's a quote that says, writers live life twice. So did you live your lessons again as you were writing those down for us? Yeah, and, and there were some stories that I really had never told. I, I was bullied pretty bad as a kid, as I know so many of us oh. were and are, and mm-hmm. I had never really told that story. I have mentioned it to people, but to put it all in one chapter on paper, I found this really great cathartic kind of tearing up thing happening because I had never written that before. And then when I sent a copy to my dad, <laughs> a lot of stories he didn't hear either, like nude modeling. Um, Surprise, Dad. uh, When I said I was going to art class, wasn't drawing. I was the model. So, and leading to you know what that did for does for body image and and things like that. So I got to live it as I was writing it, and then I got to live it by thinking, oh, I'm going to get a phone call about that one. (laughs) Wow, that is really neat. Let me just ask you one more question about this cognitive restructuring, because I know I just want to get to that heart of the writing and the physical and the uh-huh. you know the cognitive and the physical how does that connect cognitive restructuring is a really great technique normally you would use that with a psychologist who's going to help walk you through it i actually go into pretty mm-hmm. good depth in that in my book conquer your stress and i've got this great chart um that was given to me from harvard and you basically write down what that issue is and for one of my clients it was i'm afraid i'm going to die and my son is not going to be taken care of Well, that's a very real thing. Um, So that's what she wrote down as her thought. And then we talked about, well, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? How do we rephrase that and actually make that differently? And what are some of the tools you can actually use? Talk to an attorney and make sure he's going to be taken care of. You know, we know we're going to die. (laughs) You know, we can't Mm -hmm. avoid that one. But her fear wasn't about death. It was about leaving her son untaken care of. And when you think about that, and that actually was keeping her up at night. But there were so many steps you could take to make sure that didn't happen. And I had asked her if she ever saw a family you know, attorney to help put those things in place, and she hadn't. So we actually sat down and wrote, through the using this chart, some really practical things that she could do. Talking to her own family and saying, if something happens, would you take him? Um, making sure you had a will or a trust set up for that. Making sure she put money aside for him so that if something happened to her, he'd be protected. Mm-hmm. And when she actually sat down and looked at those practical things she could do, um, she realized she didn't have to have that fear anymore because it was taken care of. And sometimes you have to go through the chart a couple times, and it's it's great if you're working with someone. But you know, we have these um, these distorted thoughts of this always happens to me, or mm, they're right. quiet today. They probably are mad at me. Well, that's a dis- that's distorted thinking. We don't know that that's true. So one of the things the chart with the cognitive restructuring helps with is it helps identify those distorted thoughts and then change them into more realistic, positive things. So it's, it's a really great process. Again, I didn't, it's, it's hard to explain without the visual and without, mm-hmm. um, but it's really a great tool. And there are a lot of psychotherapists and social workers that work with that system. You can do it yourself. I mean, you know, if you have, I, I have how to do it in the book, but it's, it's a really great thing to work through. And once I started doing it, I found that I don't even go to those distorted thoughts as much anymore. So it was really, it's really a lovely tool. And once you get in the habit of it, like I said, it 
just sort of changes how you think about things. Neat. Well, and I've always said, you know, human beings have a huge capacity of pulling the wool over their own eyes. And it sounds like this is one way to recognize that because part of us, we don't even recognize that wool, right? We don't recognize when we're not thinking those things correctly. And it sounds like this will help you uncover and understand what you're not thinking correctly. Exactly, because it really asks you to break it down. Well, you know, what what are your physical feelings about that when you think of it? Oh, I I get nauseous and I feel like I have to go to the bathroom and my my palm sweat and my my neck is itchy and you know you identify the physical and then how do you feel when you think that well I feel scared I feel stupid I feel stressed I feel angry I feel you know it has you go through these these columns and actually really break down what that thought is doing to you and sometimes you mm-hmm. don't even know till you think about it you know uh, my husband and I had gone through a tax audit which was horrible I mean it was the most stressed I've ever been I think I spent six months you know bolting upright in bed almost every night going oh I gotta get this mm. done and after the tax audit, I didn't know any of these skills yet. I really wish I would have. You know, I was talking to my uh, stepmom, and she said, Kathy, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And I said, well, the worst thing that's going to happen is I owe money. She goes, okay, you know there's no debtor's prisons anymore, right? They're not going to <laughs> chain you in the square and throw fruit at you and spit on you. They're not going to humiliate you publicly. They're not going to take your cats. They're not going to take – she said, if you owe them money, what do you do? I said, well, I pay them. She said, okay, do you have enough to pay them? And I said, probably not. She goes, okay, and you know what they do? They put you on a payment plan. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, you know – I was so afraid of it, and then I realized if you did pull back from it and look at it logically, okay, do I want to give them money? No. Is it the end of the world? Am I going to die? Am I, are they taking my family? No. Um, no. So about a year and a half later, I get a note from the IRS that says my uh, refund is delayed, and I simply heard the word delayed, and I freaked. Now, by this point, I had learned <laughs> the cognitive structuring, and I thought about it for a second, and I said, Kathy, you know, all you know is delayed. It didn't right. say they're coming after you. It didn't say there was something was wrong. You knew your tax return was perfect anyway. All you know is the word delayed. And right. a couple of days later, the refund ended up in my bank account. It had simply been delayed. Nice. And I could have freaked out for the week, and I could have called my accountant, and I could have started gathering things to defend myself. I just waited. And so anytime someone says the word delayed, I just kind of smile and think about how my reaction changed from that first experience with the IRS. Um, <laughs> you know, and we all have the ability to do that. It takes some practice. I'm lucky I grasped it pretty fast. But, you know, it's something we right. can all learn is how we respond. We choose how we respond to things. I can't stop the word delayed. I can stop my freaking out about it. Absolutely. Well, Kathy, this has been wonderful. Your book is Journey of Healing. One Woman's Path to Healing Self and Others. And your website is the Alternative Medicine Cabinet. What will we find there? Oh, there's so many free resources. You know, I've done a lot of research into things that will help people, even if they're not my resource. So I have links to a lot of websites mm-hmm. that will help people. I have links to a lot of my past media. So if there's a topic that we didn't cover now, you can bet there's a radio show, a podcast, or an article that's up in my media site. I have a free newsletter. If you sign up, it goes out maybe once every two months. And if you sign up for that, you'll get a super secret health video. That's really fun. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this great information. I love the research, too. I love the background that you have. And this has been valuable information for us. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Welcome to Stacy's Journal. In this segment, I let you peek into my journal as I share my thoughts on a topic or resilience resource. So let's talk about affirmations. 
I've got to be honest because that's what a journal is about, right? Your honest feelings. In the past, I've not really been a fan of affirmations. Reminded me too much of the Saturday Night Live skit with Stuart Smalley. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. However, I've since done more digging into the mind-body connection. Self-affirmations really do help, and there's scientific evidence for that with one caveat. You have to really believe what you're saying. If you don't believe it, you could end up feeling worse. To tweak affirmations and make them effective for you, scientists say that you should write about the things that you value, such as your honesty, family, creativity. Affirming those things that you value and remembering those times when you exhibited those values does activate the reward system in your brain and gives you those positive vibes. I'll link to some articles I found to help you understand more about that. And with that, I think I'll get to writing a few new affirmations of my own. That's all we have for today. In the last episode, Manny Wolf discussed surviving a hellacious early life. So if you've had a tough childhood, you might want to go back and have a listen. Next week, we'll interview Matt Gagnon, who tells us to write our own comeback story. I love interacting with our listeners on social media. We're on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great virtual conversation. Before you go, don't forget to go and register for the upcoming webinar, Four Simple Proven Methods to Writing the First Chapter of Your Life Story in Just Seven Days. Head over to stacybrookman.com webinar for that. Oh, and one more thing. We're doing something fun and counting down the 100 plus most important memoirs of the past 200 years. So our memoir of the day is The Complete Personal Memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant, written in 1895. Among the autobiographies of great military figures, Grant's is certainly one of the finest and perhaps the most notable literary achievement of any American president. It's a lucid, compelling, and brutally honest chronicle of triumph and failure. Written under excruciating circumstances, Grant was dying of throat cancer and encouraged and edited by Mark Twain. It's a triumph of the art of autobiography. Check out all the memoirs on this list at stacybrookman.com slash 100memoirs, 100memoirs. And remember, it's never too late to tell your stories.